1: Well, good morning, church. It is great to have you here worshiping with us today and studying God's word together. If you have a Bible, open it to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, not been here before... We have been covering the book of Ephesians, the letter that was written to the church in Ephesus, and we have spent almost the past year covering this book. We're almost at the end. We have today and then two more weeks, and we'll be wrapping up this series that we have been in with the book. Of Ephesians, the letter written to the people of Ephesus. The book, the letter, has nicely been divided into three sections. It is learning how to sit, it's learning how to walk, and now we are in the section of learning how to stand. What do we stand against? We stand firm against the attacks of the enemy, As we walk through life, as we go through this world, you may have seen the news yesterday that one of the issues of having to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy was the nation of Israel and their attack that they have had with Hamas um, invading their country. Well, if if you were not here with us when I went through the series on the end times, you can go back and watch some of that. You can go back and watch the YouTube series that we did covering the end times as well. This is really stuff that is leading up to the end times. Now, this is not the end. We are not there at that point, but this is a precursor to the things, (laughs) excuse me, that the Bible talks about that will be at the end. One of the things that we do know from the Bible is that Israel will experience unprecedented peace. They will have a peace that will surround the nation that this peace will cause them to then let their guard down even more than it is or it was even as of yesterday this peace will be established among the nations but really it will be an antichrist that will rise up that will create a peaceful situation in the middle east and then when they when israel feels the most at peace then they will have the most destruction happening the most vicious attack that will be happening And you can go back and watch some of that. You can talk to me about that if you have more questions, but I would just encourage you to keep watching the things that happen around the nation of Israel, keep watching around the things that happen in the Middle East, because it really is the epicenter of all that will happen as the Bible describes the end times events. For us though, we need to learn how do we stand firm against the attacks that we experience from the enemy in this world. And what we have talked about so far is the fact that we do have an enemy that the The enemy is not equal to God, but the enemy has an absolute goal in mind of what he wants to accomplish. Satan is not everywhere. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. He was a created being of God. Go back and watch a couple of weeks ago as I described exactly who the enemy is from what the Word of God tells us. As we start again today, let's read chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 as we've done the past uh, three weeks. This is the fourth week in this section. Here's what the Word of God says. Paul writes this, finally, in other words, this is the concluding point in the letter of Ephesus. Finally, I want you, believer, I want you, Christian, follower of God, to be strong in the Lord. Now, we looked at that phrase and why that is so important. We are strong in the Lord. We are strong in his mighty power. And the reason that's so important is that it's not about our own strength. It's not our own ability. God gives us the power. He gives us the strength. And I use that example of it being like a power tool. A power tool has to be connected to the battery source in order for it to function and operate the way that the tool was designed and intended to operate. In the same way, we have to be connected to the Lord. We have to be in Christ, in the Lord. In order to fight this fight If you're not in the Lord If you have no relationship with God whatsoever You are not equipped to fight the fight That is coming your way Or that maybe you're already in Finally be strong in the Lord In his mighty power In order to fight the fight Now here's what I want you to do Paul says put on the full armor of God So that you are able to stand That's the key word of this section Sitting Walking and standing. Put on the full armor so that you're able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The word schemes, remember, was the idea of method. It comes from the Greek word "methodia," the plan, the the goal, the battle plan that the enemy has. Our struggle that we're fighting is not against flesh and blood. So it's not against your next door neighbor. It's not against the rude people that are on the on the roadways as you're driving and uh, give you certain gestures as you're driving or honk their horns at you. Your battle is not against the politicians that are out there running it's despite how bad you feel they are. Our struggle against is against not flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of the darkness. It's the behind the scenes thing that is going on. It's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places." Therefore, Paul says, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist. So not only do you stand firm, now you're resisting when the times are evil. When have the times not been evil? They're always evil because we live in a corrupt and evil and sinful world. But we especially are seeing it in our lifetime, the evilness that is happening around the world. And if you watch some of the scenes that, you, that have been posted on some of the things that have happened like in israel yesterday the the scenes and the images are horrific the times are evil and after you've done everything stand firm paul says again stand firm then and here's how you're going to stand firm buckle the belt of truth around your waist put on the breastplate of righteousness strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of shalom Above all, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit on every occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all of the saints, all of the holy ones, all of the Ketoshim in Hebrew. And Paul writes, pray for me. When I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the good news for which I am an ambassador in chains, pray that I may speak boldly the way that I should. We are part four today of learning to stand this idea of spiritual warfare, and in particular, we are looking again at what the enemy is trying to accomplish. Let's pray as we begin. Father, we are under attack. Individually, in our marriages, In our families, in our nation, and in this world, Lord, help us when the times are evil, which they are, to stand firm, to stand firm in you, to be fully clothed in you, to have you wrapped around us like an armor. Father, as we open your word today and we try to understand what the enemy is trying to accomplish and how we can fight this, Lord, show us your truth and help us to walk in it. Father, this is your time. We are your people, and we long to hear from you. May they not be my words, Lord, but your words. And Father, as we partake of communion just in a little bit, help this to be a meaningful and special time. Help us to make sure our hearts are right with you. And if there's anything in our lives that is out of alignment that we need to confess before you, help us to do so in the quietness of our hearts with you. Help prepare us, Lord, so that we are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's look again at what the enemy is trying to accomplish. Now, last week I had said, Jesus gives us the clue. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this, Yeshua said again to them, Amen, amen, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone comes in through me, he will be saved. He will come and go and find pasture. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am the only way. Salvation only happens through me. It's not your own idea. It's not what you think. It is only through Jesus and Jesus alone. The thief is opposite of this. The thief, who is the devil, comes only to steal, slaughter, and destroy. The idea of the word steal is the word in Greek klepto, which is where we get our idea of kleptomania. Kleptomaniacs, that's where it comes from. Stealing is to rob, it is to take away. Whether it's overtly or by stealth, that's his goal, to take away. The goal he has is to slaughter. That is to kill, sacrifice or slay. And his goal is to destroy and that is to completely wipe off the face of the earth. That's his goal for people who follow God. He wants to steal anything you have, to steal the relationship you have with God. He wants to pull you away from God with all kinds of distractions. He wants to destroy, to kill, to slay your life. He wants to make sure that you do not make it to heaven. He wants to make sure that you spend the eternity in hell. That's his ultimate goal. But that's not the goal of God. God's goal is to bring you in. To bring you to Himself, where Satan's goal is to push you away from God, Jesus says, "I have come that you might have life. They might have life. They might have it abundantly, and that's what Jesus's goal is, and that is what the enemy's goal is. So, what does the enemy try to do to make sure that we are in that place where our joy has been stolen, our relationship has been stolen, we have been killed, we have been led to destruction?" What is, he, what is he trying to do? How does he do this? Well, Paul gives us the armor of God to identify the ways that Satan is attacking. The first way that we learned last week, his first weapon is found in verses 10 through 12. Jesus or Paul writes, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist when the times are evil. And after you've done everything to stand firm, stand firm then, buckle the belt of truth around your waist. Now, what did we learn last week? Well... We learned that the belt was not used to carry weaponry. The belt mostly was an identification piece of material to the armor that a soldier would wear. A Roman soldier would have a decorative belt. There would be strands hanging from the belt, and it would identify them as a soldier. And it would even identify the rank that they carried. They were supposed to wear it at all times. In the same way, you are a Christian, you are identifying with the Lord. And the thing that you are wearing is the belt of truth, the weapon that Satan tends to use the most. The number one weapon, I believe, in Satan's arsenal is the weapon of lies. And that's why we need the belt of truth, because we have an enemy who is a liar, a deceiver, a misleader. His ultimate target is my mind, and he wants to push lies into my life. Satan can easily whisper lies in your ear, and most of us will believe those lies. There are three forms of lies that he tends to tell us. He tells us lies about God. You can't believe God. God is not real. God is not creator. He is not trustworthy, and he will whisper lies to you about who God is. He will also whisper to you lies about others. Lies that we believe about our spouse, about our kids, about our friends. Lies that we believe about things that other people have said. And we don't bother to go find out the truth. We just believe the lie. And that's the way that Satan operates. You know, the media lies continuously. Politicians lie continuously. The governments lie. People lie. We are born with a nature that is wired us to lie. That's not how God operates. God operates in truth. And so Satan whispers lies, and he tells lies, and his demonic forces are out there speaking lies into your life. Again, lies about God, lies about our others, and then we also believe lies about ourselves lies that we can do it ourselves, that we can live life ourselves, that we are, well, maybe we believe lies that we're not good enough and we won't measure up and we're never going to be acceptable. I, I know people who struggle believing that God could possibly forgive them and maybe you're one of those people. You look at your life and you think, I have done so much wrong, I have done so bad, I have messed up so much, God could never forgive me. And when God says, I will freely forgive you and I will redeem you, it's something I can't believe. Because I've heard the lie for so long that I'm not good enough and I'll never measure up. And so Satan whispers lies. Again, what is the goal of this? To steal, to kill, to destroy. And so Satan whispers the lies in order to accomplish his ultimate goal. What's the second weapon that Satan tends to use? Well, let's look at it together. We looked at stand firm, buckle the belt of truth around your waist. That's one of the pieces of armor to combat the lies that Satan tells. I have to be firmly in the truth. God, what is the truth? How do I understand the truth? Then he says, and put on the breastplate of righteousness, well, this identifies the second lie or the second weapon that Satan uses. Now, <clears throat> think of what a, a, what a breast, uh, breastplate does. The breastplate protects the most vital organs in a person's life, in a person's body. If you're going into a military campaign, that breastplate of righteousness would protect, uh, protect you against, uh, against wounds that would be so severe that they would take your life. You would be mortally wounded. Well, today, in militaries today, they will have some kind of a, a um, armor protection uh, uh, vest that they're wearing. Some kind of a bulletproof kind of a vest to protect them against against military rounds or rounds that are being fired and it protects your most vital organs well that's what a breastplate of righteousness does it protects the most vital parts of my life well what kind of a weapon is this that satan would be using well the weapon would be called pride pride and you could put underneath it in quotes self-reliance parenthesis self-reliance pride what is pride pride is essentially this it can be defined as elevating one's opinions and thoughts above God's authoritative word it shows its ugly face in in many forms but one of these forms is relying upon your own strength and your own wisdom to be successful Righteousness is an important part of life. Righteousness, as God says, take up the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is being made right in God's eyes. To be in a right standing with God. To be cleansed of all of the wrong, all of the darkness, all of the sin that is there. I need to be made righteous in order to be in relationship with God. So I want you to picture it this way. God is over here on one side of a massive cliff. And I am standing over here on the other side, Another cliff. And in between myself and God, there is a massive chasm. And it is bottomless. It is a pit. And me standing over here, I cannot get to where God is. I can't even be in the presence of God because I am, as the Bible describes, unrighteous. And so what do we try to do? Well, we have convinced ourselves in order for me to get to God is going to rely upon my own self-efforts. I can get myself there. I can jump really, really far. And I can cross this chasm. Here's the problem. You can't. You'll never be able to cross it. You can't jump far enough to cross it. Well, I'll build myself a bridge called my own works. I'll be really religious and I'll build myself a bridge and that will get me across to God. And here's the problem. I'm not a good enough engineer and I don't have the materials to be able to cross this chasm. I can't build a big enough bridge. I'll get a motorcycle and play evil Knievel and build a ramp and really gun it and try to jump the chasm And then I just find myself falling short. I can't get myself where I need to be. And the problem is, I am unrighteous, and there is a righteous God, and I can't get to Him. Pride says this you don't need God, you can do it yourself. Rely upon yourself, pull yourself up with your own self-efforts. Yes, you may have fallen into a pit, just climb your way out of the pit. Just make a way, because you can do it yourself. Satan whispers the lie into people's hearts and minds, you don't really need God. You can do it on your own. That's not really accurate when God says, I'm the only way, only by coming through Jesus. No, there's many roads that get you to heaven. Just be a good person. Just give. Just be kind. Just go door to door and knock on people's doors, and then that'll make you acceptable to God. The Bible tells us that those deeds are like dirty rags. They're filthy. They they mean nothing to God. You can't get yourself from where you are to where God is. That's why God wants to make us righteous. When I accept Jesus into my life, he provides the righteousness that I need to go to God. The righteousness of him cleansing me outside and inside two kinds of righteousness that happen called imparted and imputed righteousness. We don't have time to get into that today, but God cleanses me and makes a way. Well, Satan wants me to believe that I don't really need God, that I don't really need him. And I can, in my self-reliance, do it all myself. God can't fix me anyway. He can't make me righteous. He can't change me. I'll just keep doing the same things over and over. And we have believed this idea that I can do it on my own. Paul says, I want you to be clothed with a breastplate of righteousness. Because when you have that clothing and you have that protection over your heart, you're in right relationship with the Lord. And so he tells us a lie. He tells us, uses this weapon of pride against us in order to keep us from really going to God. You know, pride and self-reliance are the reason that many people can't really ever surrender to the Lord. Because they think in their mind, I could just do it myself. I can get there myself. So his second weapon is pride. Let's look at the third weapon. What is the third weapon that he tends to use? Well, he said put on the belt uh, belt of truth that's lies, put on the breastplate of righteousness because that goes against the pride. Now, strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of shalom. Many of your bibles use the word peace. I wanted to keep the the actual word shalom so that I can explain it to you. Peace is not accurate. It's a small little sliver of what Shalom actually is. He says, strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of Shalom. Just imagine this with me for a minute. Feet. You've all got feet, I, I think. Most of you have feet, and I don't mean to be uh, unsympathetic if you've lost a, a foot or anything. That would be horrible to go through, but most people have feet. You've got feet that you're walking around with. What do your feet do? Well, your feet provide the ability to walk through life. Feet are what you walk through life with. If you don't have feet, it's very hard to walk through life. Your feet are walking If you have feet and you walk through life, what you wear on your feet really can make all of the difference in the world. Some people, I don't know how ladies do this, but some ladies will wear heels and you'll walk around in heels. And I am always absolutely amazed when I see ladies that are walking around in heels because I think, how can you possibly do that? There's no way that I could walk around in heels the way that you do. I, I couldn't do it. I can't imagine that it would be comfortable to walk a long way in heels. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. But maybe, I don't think it would be very comfortable to walk around for miles and miles in heels. I have a sister who runs marathons. I don't know why she runs marathons. I don't know where this gene came from in her, in, in her. but she likes to run marathons. And maybe there are some of you that like to do that as well. Imagine her getting to the starting line in high heels to run a marathon. It wouldn't make any sense. As a runner, she likes to get the best shoes that are going to be the, provide the best comfort and the best, um, best support for her running this marathon. Paul says, make sure your feet are strapped up. In the readiness of the good news. Make sure what you are putting on your feet is going to help you get through life. Shalom is the thing that he says that I want you to wrap your feet in. Now, it's like wrapping your feet in the best possible running shoe you could possibly have if you're going to be running a race. What is Shalom? Well, shalom is a word that means fullness and completeness. Shalom describes this. If you have a rock and that rock had cracks and broken pieces in it, it would be lacking shalom. Shalom is that rock has no cracks, no broken pieces. It's completely whole and completely full. Think about a brick wall. If a brick wall is missing one or two bricks somewhere in the middle of it, that brick wall would be said to not have shalom. It has shalom when it is completely full, and there are no cracks, and there are no chips, and there are no broken pieces to the structure. That's what shalom is. Shalom is fullness, completeness, and wholeness. If you were a person who had animals and your livestock wandered into a neighbor's field and started eating the neighbor's field, you would go to that neighbor and pay for the damage, and when you paid for it, it was said you were making shalom, because you provided a completeness to what had been broken. God, coming into our lives, makes you full. He makes you complete. You were lacking, broken, missing pieces when you did not have the Lord. And when the Lord came into your life, you had shalom because you were now complete, The enemy comes in with a third weapon and whispers the thought of discontentment. You know what discontentment is? It is feeling empty, feeling purposeless, and lacking meaning and contentment. And so God says, I will make you full. I will make you complete. And as you walk around using your feet through life, walk in your completeness, walk in your wholeness, walk in the new identity he has given you. The enemy wants to steal that from you so that you are felt, uh, feeling meaningless, feeling purposeless, feeling empty in life strap your feet he says with the good news of completeness so that you can walk through life and live your life that way do you know that discontentment drives people to do drastic things you're discontent so you try to make a change what changes do you make well I'm discontent in my marriage so I'm going to leave my spouse and find a new spouse because they'll make me content and it's driven out of discontent I'm sad, and so I'm going to go eat an entire pan of chocolate brownies, because that'll make me happy, and I won't be sad anymore. Well, that's discontentment. It's driving me to do something destructive. Maybe eating a chocolate uh, pan of chocolate brownies is not your thing. Maybe it's going out and drinking, drinking a, a, a 24-pack of beer. Maybe it's buying a fifth and drinking that entire fifth. Maybe it's every day and every night. I can't stop drinking because I feel so empty and discontent that I'm going to do something to make myself feel content. So he tries to drive discontentment into our lives. And Jesus has said, I have come that you might have contentment in that fullness of life. Strap your feet on with that and walk around with that. And when you walk around knowing I'm content and I have his breastplate and I have truth buckled around me, you're fitted to be able to go through this life. One final thing, and then we'll get to communion today. And that is the fourth weapon. And I grouped these four together because these four really talk about our defensive weapons that we have. Here's the fourth one. The fourth weapon, Paul writes this, above all, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. So what's his fourth weapon? It's disbelief and doubt. So here's what we have. We have the weapons of lies. We have the weapons of pride. We have the weapons of discontentment. And we have the weapon of disbelief and doubt. So Paul says take up the shield of faith so that you can be able to extinguish. Now I want you to picture it in your mind this way. That here you are. I know that's a bad drawing of you, but that's you, okay? It's what I see when I look at you out in the audience. This is what you look like to me. And Satan is out here firing weapons, flaming arrows, it says. You guys remember watching the movie The Gladiator? Did anybody see that? The Gladiator, and they have this opening battle And it's where the Romans had gone into Germany, and they were battling the the barbarians that were there. And as they were battling, you saw that the barbarians were attacking. And they were attacking, first firing arrows, one after the other. And they were launched, and they were coming at the Roman soldiers. And as they were firing these just normal arrows, then all of a sudden they lit them on fire. And now they're firing flaming arrows that are coming toward the Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers did something amazing though. They were gathered together in lines and they had large shields and they linked up with the soldier next to them on either side and they put the shields in a protective measure so that the shields would absorb all of the arrows that were being fired. All of these arrows, whether they were on fire or not, were not hitting the intended target because the shield was protecting them from the attacks that were coming Picture it this way for yourself, that you are out there fighting a battle, and Satan is firing arrow after arrow after arrow at you. Arrows of lies, pride, discouragement, discontentment, disbelief lies from the media lies from the governments lies from the world lies from family members and friends lies at work and he's firing all of these things at you daily he's firing the lies about your other uh, other family members he's firing lies about God he's firing lies about you telling you you're so stupid you'll never amount to anything he's firing these continuously how do I fight this I take up that shield of faith and I put myself behind that and I link up with other brothers and sisters in Christ who are standing on the right and the left and they put their shields up as well with me and we're able to withstand the barrage that the enemy is firing. Do you have a shield of faith in your life? Where you're able to say, no, I will not believe the lies. No, I will not accept that. No, I will not be discontent. No, I will know that I am full in Christ. No, I will not trust in my own righteousness. I will trust in your righteousness. No, I will not believe what Satan is selling today. And you take up that shield of faith. And as Satan fires, you're able to extinguish All of the flaming arrows that the enemy is shooting your way. Satan is out there like a roaring lion. He is out there looking to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. And he's using weaponry against you. But God has given you everything you need to fight it. The Lord has given you truth. You can look through his word, you can find truth. You can take every thought captive, you can understand truth. Whether or not you'll believe it God has given you his righteousness Not your own You don't have to earn it You can't possibly earn it You don't deserve it That's okay God gave it to you anyway He said you can't fight it on your own I'll give you my breastplate of righteousness And I strapped that on And then As I'm continuing to go He's going to give me truth In the shoes that I'm wearing I'm full in him I'm full in who God is. I don't have to be discontent. That new car, that new house, that new spouse is not going to make me any happier. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And then He gives you a shield that you can stand before you, and you could hold up over you, and you can extinguish everything Satan fires at you. He's given you everything you need to be able to walk through this life and to stand firm and resist the enemy in the days that are evil. We're going to close with a word of prayer, and then we're going to take communion together here today, and I hope you've gotten one of the communion cups. If not, we have some in the back that will hand these out. Let's pray. Father God, help us to stand firm with the attacks that the enemy brings our way. You have given us the belt of truth. You've given us this breastplate of righteousness, Lord. You've given us things for our feet, the completeness and the wholeness in you. And you've given us a shield that we need to follow you. Father, I pray that today, as we are in this battle, that we would stand firm in you and resist the enemy in the days that are evil. I pray, Father, now, that as we take communion, that this would be an important time and a special time in our lives. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet hey god bless you guys and thanks for listening to this message